Hey everyone, welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm part of the Ridge team here in Morgantown. We are in a two-part series called The Art of Neighboring. And today we're going to hear from Pastor Josh Rhodes as he lays out the biblical case for being great neighbors who make a difference where God has placed us. We hope that this talk will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. Hey, if you're joining us in person, feel free to grab a seat. And thank you again, whether you're in the room or online, whether it's live or at another time, thank you for joining us. My name's Josh, I'm one of the pastors here, and today we're concluding a a series called The Art of Neighboring, excited for that. Next week, I'd invite you to come back as our senior pastor, Tim Herring. He'll be back uh, kicking off a two-week series on the reliability of the Bible and why we can trust God's words. You won't want to miss that. Also want to give a quick welcome to all of our college students in the house, whether you're a freshman or you're returning, whether you're here online, we're glad to have you and hope you have a great semester. Well, a number of my favorite TV shows, which are mostly from the 90s because I was born in the 80s and watched a lot of TV in the 90s seemed to include a neighbor character that was just either really thoughtful or funny or just over the top. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun this morning before we jump into the scriptures and see if you can guess some of these uh, famous neighbors from the 90s. So I'm going to show you their catchphrase, just see if you can get it. All right, and I can see you if you're in the room, so no Googling deal, all right? Just think. All right, first one is this, Heidi ho neighbor. Anybody? Home Improvement, Wilson, yes, you got it. So this was Home Improvement, that's Wilson on the left, peering over the fence with his bucket hat. He was always there to listen to Tim and give him some wise counsel. And you wish so badly he would just peek up over the fence to show his face, but he never did and it drove you crazy. All right, the second one actually had a recent reboot on Netflix, so I think got popular for a little while again, I'm not sure. But uh, her catchphrase when she would burst into the door was, hola, tanyaritos. Not sure if I've heard it yet. Full house, there you go. Kimmy Gibbler, she's in the center of the photo. She said a lot of like cheese catchphrases too, I think. She was a hoot. And then the third one, and this might be one of my favorite shows from the 90s, and I'm gonna do my best to pronunciate, articulate, to try to capture the essence of it, all right? Probably going to fail terribly, but did I do that? Steve Urkel, there you go, Family Matters. He, he was always barging in and driving Mr. Winslow absolutely crazy. Interestingly, he wasn't in the pilot. They thought they would add a neighbor character added him in and ended up stealing the show. I guess that's how it goes. One of the things I appreciate about shows like that and others, even I Love Lucy, Flintstones, you know, these neighbor characters, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, even Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. What I appreciate about it is that they communicate the importance and the value of knowing your neighbors and having them be a part of your life, even if they drive you crazy like Steve Urkel. And it's not just shows, companies like State Farm, right? Their tagline, at least it was, maybe it still is, was like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, right? 
Well, why does this matter? Why has this been kind of a part of the culture, whether you're engaged with your neighbors or not? Well, interestingly, came across an article written two weeks ago from a woman named Erica Pandy, based on some research, and she, she titled her article, The Power of Knowing Your Neighbors. And she writes this, people who are connected to neighbors have a, a boosted well-being They're generally cheerier, healthier, and spend more time outside. Happier aging, older adults who know their neighbors report a far higher sense of psychological well-being. Safer streets, tight-knit neighborhoods have lower rates of gun violence, and then lives saved, literal lives saved. Fewer lives are lost in tragedies, natural disasters, or shootings. I mean, you look at that list, and it's incredible, which... Of course, if this was God's idea to love our neighbors, then you would, you would see that there is research to back up that people's lives are better, they're happier, they're safer, their needs are met when they are connected. And many of you are already living this out, and that's awesome, and I hope you still get something from today's message. But Erica goes on to note that the majority of Americans don't know their neighbors, and if they do, they don't spend time with them. So... In her article, she says that 57% of Americans say they only know some or none of their neighbors. And get this, this one, man, it just is heartbreaking. That share climbs to 72% among 30 to 49-year-olds and then 78% among 18 to 29-year-olds. 58% say they know their neighbors but don't spend time chatting or hanging out. And as a result, the people right around us, whether across the hall or down the street, are strangers. So if this is true, that most people, whether they be Christian or non-Christian, whether it's in a, a neighborhood, city setting, or rural setting, wherever they are, if they have lost or have never discovered this art of neighboring, this value, is it any wonder that so many people around us are feeling hopeless are feeling isolated, are feeling alone, who spend day after day, night after night, just inside on their phone or whatever they're doing and have no one to turn to. So last Sunday, we kicked off this series, Art of Neighboring, and a really helpful book, read it a few years ago, and it's really impacted my life, written by two pastors, Dave Runyon and Jay Pathak. And the book is based on the great commandment and it's also based on their experience as pastors who you would think would have been like great neighbors and they talk about really going from not doing that at all to really seeing the power of neighboring. So, so the, the great commandment from Jesus, we looked at it last week in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Gospel of Luke, also found in Mark, also found in Matthew, so three of the four Gospels. Here's Jesus' great commandment from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they came together and one of them, an expert in the law, asked the question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And I mentioned last week that this is, this is referencing two Old Testament scriptures from Deuteronomy and from Leviticus. This love of God, this love of neighbor really summarizes the whole 
law. And as we consider this great commandment, it just makes sense. If you and I, if we are growing in our relationship with God, with with all of our being, our heart, our mind, our soul and strength, and we're spending time with him and we're seeking to grow in him and we're, we're worshiping him and we're reading his word, then over time, we will begin to love who he loves and what he loves, which is people. That is the the, the most precious thing to God who he created, and that would include people who are near and far. Our neighbor, our love of neighbor, would include the neighbor across the globe and across the country, across the state, city, and also the neighbor across the street, which is what we focused on last week, that loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself includes your actual neighbors. We have this tendency to to take Jesus' great commandment and turn it into a metaphor, or we just love our neighbors, but we skip over our actual neighbors. And if we believe, if we believe that God is sovereign and that he has strategically placed us where we are, whether it's for a season, like for those of you who are returning to WVU, right, that dorm's not gonna be forever, at least your parents hope not. Whether it's for a season or forever, we can believe that God can use us right where we are. And we have a unique job to do because I don't live in your neighborhood, which means I can't fully neighbor your neighbors. And you don't live in mine, which means you can't fully neighbor my neighbors. This is a unique calling that God has placed on our life. And while it is true that we are called to love everyone, right? Everyone really is our neighbor. The reality is, is we will have far more practical, tangible, and daily opportunities to love the people who are closest to us because that's just where we spend a lot of time. So why don't we do it? Why for years in the several different places that I live not know very many of my neighbor's names? Why is it that I was the guy who would come home after a long day's work and there was someone I could talk to, but I would just hope they didn't see me? so I could turn off the car and get in the house? Why wasn't I very quick to open my home even when my wife said, hey, why don't we have them over and I would drag my feet? Why is that? Well, in my experience and in talking to a number of people, when we seek to take Jesus' great commandment seriously and not metaphorically, when we really seek to love the neighbors right around us, we're going to face challenges. We're gonna face obstacles. Because if this was so easy, most people would probably already be doing it. We face obstacles, we make excuses, but we can't let those things stop us because the stakes are too high. You know this because you feel it and you've lived through the last few years. People are hurting more than ever. The person across the hall or down the street, even though you might think they've got it all together, even though you might think that they don't have any needs, the reality is they do. They need people who will listen, who will care, who will see them, who will know their name, and you need that as well. You need people who will smile when you drive down the road. You need people who you can text to get something from the store. You need that, I need that, our neighbors need that. So today, what we wanna do is based on a couple of great chapters in Dave and Jay's book, as well as my experience and just talking to a lot of friends. We wanna talk through what I think are the five top obstacles in neighboring. And we're gonna work through these quickly and I suspect that you're gonna find one, two, or maybe even all of them apply to you because these have all applied to my life as well. And we're gonna look to to the Bible to see how we can respond 
and overcome these articles. And our takeaway today is this, that we can ask God to help you overcome any obstacle that's keeping you from loving your actual neighbors. Because think, think about this with me. Even though it's challenging and even though it takes time, which we'll talk about, and even if they don't reciprocate or seem interested, if God commanded us to do this, we can be confident that he can help us, that he's gonna give us what we need to persevere and overcome to love the people right across the street. So the first one, and you already know this and you already feel it and it just goes without saying, the first obstacle that we face is time. Generally speaking, we are already busy. So the fact that you've carved out this time to be here and watch online or whenever you're watching, maybe a Wednesday, the fact that you've already carved out that time is great. But do we have more time for other things? Our lives are marked by years, months, days, hours, and seconds. And you can work hard to make more money, but we can't make more time. It's our most precious commodity. So how we invest it really matters. James chapter four is this great reminder that we don't know how much time we have left. It says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you're like smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. It does go quickly. It does, and how we invest it matters and relationships take time. I don't know about your phone, but I get this really, really pesky notification, usually on Sundays, the weekly screen time report. Anybody else? Or if you found a way to turn that off so you don't feel terrible about yourself. It drives me nuts. I mean, the amount of time I spend watching funny YouTube videos or cat videos or whatever, you know, it's like, hey, Josh, just want to remind you that you're a loser and you're wasting your life, you know? That's what they should call the weekly screen time report. But I'm investing precious minutes and hours scrolling things that just don't have a return. But any minute, any conversation, any evening given to grow with God, to grow with family, to grow with neighbors is a tremendous investment. And I think it's gonna mean that we reprioritize. It probably means we're gonna have to slow down or get rid of some things or just stop saying we're so busy as a badge of honor because quite frankly, it's not. Chapter three of their book, uh, it's titled The Time Barrier. And uh, Dave and Jay write this, I thought this was great. It says the healthiest person who ever lived was Jesus. He got a lot done, but when you read about his life, the word hurry never comes to mind. Jesus came to offer us a different way of living. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's John 10, 10. He wasn't talking about full in the sense of having a packed schedule. He meant it in the sense of abundance. In other words, a good, meaningful life. So the question that you have to ask yourself is are you living life to the full or do you just have a really full schedule? Are you living a life with margin where you have time and you have availability or are you so busy or so distracted or so isolated that you do not know a neighbor? Something's gotta change, something it's gotta change. And like anything else in life that matters, the art of neighboring well takes time. 
and maybe this is stressing you out just thinking about it because you're already busy, I would encourage you just begin to view your time maybe a little bit differently. Maybe it doesn't require a complete overhaul right away. Maybe it just means spending a little less time out back and a little more time out front to move from the deck to the front porch. Or maybe if you're already gonna be walking your dog, don't forget your um, baggies, part of being a good neighbor. Maybe if you're already gonna be walking the dog, maybe just before you leave the house, say, God, would you, would you give me an opportunity to connect with somebody? Instead of just getting the, the walk done so you can get back. Or, or be like Regina, she's a part of our church. Really well connected in her neighborhood. And she said, almost without fail, when she's at the store, she'll just think of a neighbor to text one neighbor and just say, do you need anything? Or she'll pick up one cupcake or one bouquet of flowers to surprise one neighbor. She's already at the store. Or you could be like Brenton, one of my neighbors. Every day around 5 o'clock, 5.30, he has a home workout thing set up in his, his garage. You, you could like pay to go there. It's beautiful. He's going to be working out anyway, so he opens his garage door and just lets people know you can come and work out. And it's fun. I don't like to work out, so I don't go, but other people do. I mean, I've seen adults. I've seen one of our neighbors, he's like seven, you know, getting in there with Brent, and it's great. We're already doing things. You may already enjoy having bonfires. You may already be out plowing in the country when the snow comes. Think a little bit differently about your time, how you can share it, leverage it, use it for people right around you. The second challenge we face, second obstacle, um, I would say it's just the total of neighbors. For some of you, it's too many. Some of you, it's too few. And this one's like a super practical point. But just think about this. If you live in an area, like I live, I have about 50 neighbors on my street. Can you really neighbor all of them? I mean, that's just overwhelming to think that I can somehow be close with 50 people or maybe you live in a rural setting and you've got a, a neighbor a mile this way or two miles this way and maybe you're even thinking, well, Josh, this is just kind of discouraging because you're talking about loving your neighbors, but I have like two and I'm related to them, right? To those of you with a lot of neighbors, I'll remind you of Jesus's ministry. We have so much we can learn from this. Jesus drew large crowds and we know he fed them and we know he taught them and we know he, he wanted to make an impact on their life, but... Luke chapter 10 says that he had 70 disciples, all right, a little smaller. But then within that, there were 12, the 12 apostles who he really went deep in. He really focused on that group, which means after three years, after going to the cross and raising again and sending out his disciples, he was able to do that because he had focused on that number. Matthew 28 it says the 11 disciples, because by this point Judas is gone. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus was able to give them this great commission, which we know they took seriously because here we are 2,000 years later talking about Jesus. He was able to do that because he focused, right? He could have spread himself too thin, but he focused on that number of 12. 
This is why I love the tic-tac-toe board that we introduced last week. It's this image that Dave and Jay use. It just has us imagine that we are the center home and the eight others represent the eight nearest families or individuals, whether that's the eight nearest apartments or eight nearest townhouses or eight nearest farms. And we can begin to make an impact by learning their names and focusing. And if you want this resource, you can grab it online or in the lobby. We've got some stickers and magnets. But I figure if Jesus invested in 12, it probably makes sense that we start with five or six, seven or eight and really, really do that well. In the book, they say, be friendly with everyone and close with a few. I think that's great advice because we can't possibly go deep with everyone. Now, on the other side of things, if you have a few neighbors, I wanna remind you that within Jesus' 12 disciples, he chose three to go deeper still, Peter, James, and John. And in the parable of the Good Samaritan that we looked at last week, the Good Samaritan came to the aid of how many people? One. So don't think because where you live and there's not a lot of people that you can't make a difference. You may have to, to work a little bit for it. You may have to hop on a tractor to go pay a visit. You may have to get a little bit more creative of how you expand that circle, but you can make a difference. It actually reminds me of a story I heard this week Ken from our church who lives in a, a rural country setting and his garden did abundantly well this year and they have three kids and they couldn't possibly eat that much eggplant and all of that. So we got a, a great big bin and loaded it up and tossed it on his, his tractor and just spent a few hours driving a half a mile this way and a mile this way and a half a mile this way, knocked on the door and just said, what could you use? And it created just great conversations and opportunities to meet people that he didn't know. That might be what you have to do, getting a little more creative to go to your neighbors. But we've got to focus whether we have too many or too few. The third one, and I've experienced this, I'm sure you have as well, is that you tried, but it didn't work out. You tried, but it didn't work out. You were like, you know what? I want to be that neighbor, so I'm going to go knock on the door, drop off the thing, or be whatever, and it didn't come back. It was just like a cold response or no response. What do you do? Do we write them off? Do we just like gear up and say, you're going to be my best friend. You know, I'm not going to quit until we're best friends. You know, what do you do? I would say just be faithful. Keep smiling, keep waving, keep being willing to share. Don't force it. Because we don't know what's going on the other side of that door. There might be someone with legitimate health concerns that, that, that they can't be around people in close proximity and maybe they're just embarrassed to say that. Or maybe they're working 60, 70 hours a week to make ends meet and they're exhausted and that's why they never come out. Or maybe they had really bad experiences with neighbors or Christians who are a little over the top and they're just still trying to figure you out. We don't know the answer, but what we do know is this. The great commandment doesn't say love your neighbor as yourself when they give it back. Or love your neighbor as yourself if you've tried once and then you get to give up. It doesn't say that. In fact, Galatians 6, 9 is a great reminder so we must not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Don't 
get tired. Don't give up. Don't be crazy. Don't be over the top. But keep smiling. Keep being warm. Keep being available. And trust that God's at work. Maybe over time they let you in and can have a relationship. Maybe they don't. We can't control how people respond, but we can control how we love. The fourth obstacle, which I think a lot of people face, this is very real, is the obstacle of being timid. We're just not sure how this is gonna go. Maybe you're a little more introverted than extroverted. You might, this might come as a surprise to you, but I would say I'm probably a little more introverted than extroverted. I'm not the life of the party, my wife is. If I go to some kind of gathering, I'm content to be in the chair and just watch, right? So it doesn't really come that naturally for me. And maybe that's how you're wired. Or maybe you have tried before and they didn't respond. Or maybe there's a legitimate reason why you're a little scared of an individual. Maybe they kind of just put off a vibe or they have a reputation, whatever the case may be. I think Dave and Jay give some great advice in their book. They say, we're not recommending that you simply dismiss all of your fears and blindly jump into every one of your neighbor's lives. After all, our, at times, our fears are valid and can save us from genuine or unhealthy situations. I think that's really valid and really important to keep in mind. On the other hand, our fears, though, are often unwarranted and maybe obstacles to obeying the great commandment. So if we're going to neighbor well, we must have the courage to wrestle with our fears. So if there is a legitimate reason, and there is a legitimate reason to sort of keep at an arm's length, whatever that may be, there's a lot of wisdom in that. But if there's not, if it's just how you're wired or how it's gone before or, or whatever the case may be, we've got to overcome those fears. And thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. 2 Timothy 1, 7, one of my favorite verses, for God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness. That fear, that being timid, that's not from God, but one of power and love and sound judgment. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not fear, not worry, not they might reject me, not I'm not wired like that, but one of power, one of love, one of sound judgment. And one of my other favorite verses, this is actually the verse that I was named after by my parents, Joshua 1.9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with us. Whatever that fear, whatever that challenge, whether I don't think I'm gonna be good enough or they're not gonna like my pie, you know, whatever it is, Trust that God is with us and he's going to give us what we need. The last obstacle um, is probably the toughest. I would say time, just making time, but this last one, if this sort of kicks up where you live or you've dealt with it, you know it's real. And that would be the obstacle of tension. A strained or broken relationship. That just makes it hard. It's sort of like family when there's something going on in your family, you know, it's, they're not going anywhere, right? If my wife and I or my kids and I, right, it's like you, you kind of got to deal with it because they're there all the time. Perhaps someone did or said something to you, your family, or your property that was hurtful. Maybe on purpose, maybe on accident. It reminds me of another place we live, so I'm not talking about any of you. Street parking and someone backed into my car and damaged the dump, the 
I was going to say dumper. I don't know what I was combining. Damaged the bumper as a dumper. There you go. Damaged my bumper and didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, it's, Josh, come on. It's like a tiny mark and a tiny scratch. It, it, no big deal. But for me, I try to keep my things nice. Kind of was a big deal. And I would hope that he would want to make it right. But it didn't seem like he cared. Or you or your family or your kids or your dog did something to a neighbor or their property, right? I mentioned the Kellys last week. Great relationship. They were the ones who would throw our balls back while a neighbor this side when they got a brand new garage door, they told us we couldn't play hockey in their, their driveway anymore because they didn't want their door to get dinged. Well, what did you think we did that evening? We went and played hockey in their driveway. And I don't think it was me, maybe it was, but I just remember a slap shot getting ripped right into their new garage door and leaving a dent. That strained that relationship with that neighbor over a hockey puck, but it was a brand new garage door and we shouldn't have done it. So what do you do? What do you do? I would say if you're in the wrong, that you ask for forgiveness, that you humble yourself. And if you've been wronged, even if they don't ask for forgiveness, you can still forgive, you can still extend grace, you can still seek to live at peace. This is what Romans chapter 12 tells us. This is, it's a, it's a large chunk of scripture, but just process this through the lens of a strained or broken relationship with a neighbor. And I know with a group this size and all of us online, there are some real situations that you need God to break through because you don't see this situation with this neighbor getting any better. Hear God's word, love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints and their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you. Or back into your bumper. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And here's the key. If possible, on your part. If possible, on your part. Not their part. We can't control that. If possible, on your part as a neighbor, live at peace with everyone. That's the call. We are called to be people of peace. And guys, this is real. It gets messy. I mentioned in a message three, four, five months ago that some of the kids in our neighborhood were, were playing and, and one of my neighbors said something that I felt was maybe a little bit too strong and and it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I honestly am ashamed to say it out of character, but I raised my voice at that neighbor. And it was wrong. And I felt myself kind of getting welled up with emotion. And I had to cool off and I had to step back and I had to take a few hours. But I knew I was wrong because his intent wasn't wrong. I was wrong. So I went to him in humility and said that is not me. And that moment it was, but that's not my heart. Will you forgive me? And he did, and it strengthened that relationship. 
Now, I don't know what your situation is or the one that you will face in the future, but if we keep these scriptures in mind to keep praying, keep loving, don't retaliate and seek to be a person of peace, that God will use that. So I don't know which it is for you, which obstacle that you need God to help you overcome. I would ask you to consider which is it whether you're a student, wherever you are in your journey, is it time? Do you guys remember uh, spring of 2020, this big thing happened to all of us all at once? Do you guys remember that? There was a period of time where everyone had time. Trips got canceled, Little League got canceled, and it was hard. But there was this sort of mini resurgence of people neighboring checking in on each other. Hey, I'm going to a store. Hey, do you need toilet paper? Do you remember that? And then what happened? Things picked up. Things got busy again. That showed me that there was a period of time where it was possible for people to be home. That showed me it was possible that we didn't have to have every night booked and every weekend planned. That there was time to rest. Time for God. Time for family. Time for neighbors, you may need to make some hard calls in your schedule. Total, do you have a lot or do you have a few? I would just say focus. If you have a lot, just focus on the next neighbor in front of you. If you have too few, do a little more work, throw the veggies on the tractor, take a drive and go connect with a neighbor. Have you tried but it didn't work out? And again, this one I can think of many people where it's like, man, I was, I was, I was nice. I actually tried and nothing came back. Do we give up or do we try again? Are we timid? Are we afraid they're gonna reject us? Are we not sure how it's gonna go? Ask God to give you, give you power and give you strength. And then tension, do we need to seek forgiveness? Do we need to extend forgiveness? Whatever that obstacle is, Remember our takeaway today, ask God to help you overcome any obstacle that's keeping you from loving your actual neighbors. I mean, here's the thing. I don't consider myself to be a real, I don't know what you'd call it, like real deep preacher, you know, like super heady. I love talking about practical truth and this doesn't get any more practical. This is Christianity 101, but maybe it's actually 1001. Maybe it is the beginning, but maybe it is the advanced, that we would love our actual neighbors. And God has commanded us to do it, and it's gonna be hard, and there's times where it will be easy, but we can be confident that he will help us. Because he wouldn't ask us to do something if we couldn't do it. So as we overcome these obstacles, and as we take steps forward to love the people who are nearby, maybe you just need to get started. Maybe you're where I was, I would say, probably about three years ago. Not doing it at all. Knew I should, but wasn't. So maybe here's some ways to get started that actually don't even involve very much time with people, which might be appealing to you. Spend time outside, take a walk, be friendly, smile, wave, say hello. Maintain your property. Neighbors don't like grass that's three foot tall. Look out for their property. You know, maybe you have a chance to bring back the neighborhood crime watch, which is the only appropriate time to wear all black and walk around with a flashlight, all right? Or just abide by community rules. Maybe it's pet rules or fence rules or speed rules. That shows you're a good neighbor. 
From there, we can take another step to know and serve our neighbors. Learning, remembering, and greeters neighbors by name is huge. Your name is the most important word you know. People experience so much value when you remember their name. And bonus points, remember their kid's name and their dog's name. Welcome new neighbors, assist with a move-in, cookies or pie. I have to joke about this because one of my neighbors, uh, we were just kind of busy and I went to Walmart and bought a caramel apple drizzle pie, wrapped it in foil and gave it to them. It ate at me for like seven months that it probably looked like I was trying to trick them. I wasn't, I was just going for presentation. So I texted him and told him it was from Walmart. He's like, all good, right? Maybe it's just buying a pie. Share your phone number, connect on social media, participate in functions, share what you have, garden, eggs, your pool, tools, whatever it is, and take initiative to meet needs. Grass, leaves, snow, all of it. If you see a need, just meet a need. And I would say, especially for those who are vulnerable, if there is an elderly individual without family, if there is an adoptive family that's maybe taking on more work or a foster family, or if there's a single parent, Take initiative and meet those needs. And then finally, we can take it one more step to to really begin to do the things that communicate love. And I have found that a lot of times this involves your home or their home, stepping foot into their space or having them into your space. So inviting them over for dessert or coffee and dinner, hosting a gathering like s'mores or slip and slides or whatever, checking in during the cold months, Celebrate the good like a baby or an accomplishment or show up in the bad when they lose a loved one or or something happens. Ask neighbors to help you when you need it and pray for them and be sensitive to their spiritual journey. Pray for them. I mean, we're not doing this to convert the world. We do have the great commandment and we do have the great commission. And that is the crux of our faith. But we don't want to be pushy, we don't want to be over the top, but we do want to pray that as God is working on an individual's heart, that we would be ready to share. Scripture says, always be ready to share the hope that is within you. So being willing, maybe when they say something's going on, you know, hey, this is struggling with work, or this thing in my marriage, my kids, can I pray for you? I mean, that communicates that you believe in the power of prayer. Or maybe says, you know what, I've been searching and I've been trying and I just don't know where to turn. That is a great opportunity to say, look, I don't got it all figured out, but I've turned to Jesus and he's made all the difference in my life. Now, as we overcome these obstacles, whether they're legitimate or ones that we make up, we will have so many opportunities to help people. So many, it's where we live. And maybe for you, you wanna make a big difference. You're like, you know what, I do recognize I have one life and this time is now. This is my time. And maybe you wanna start, you know, some big nonprofit. Or maybe you think what that means is you have to go on a mission trip to like Africa or, or be sent downstate to help with flood relief. And those things are all wonderful. They are. But I think what God is looking for, truly, is people who he can send across the hall, people who he can send across the street, people who he can send just down the road. And imagine if our collective prayer, the thousands of us who call the Ridge home, if our prayer was, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. 
Lord, would you send me across the hall to that student who is just missing home? God, here I am. Will you send me to that elderly neighbor who doesn't really seem to get checked in on very often? God, will you send me just down the road to share whatever I have? If we had that heart, literally thousands of us, a heart to say, here I am. I'm gonna humble myself, I'm gonna slow down, I'm gonna recognize it won't be easy, but here I am, send me. God, we wanna be sent ones. We wanna take the great commandment seriously. God, we ask for help in overcoming our challenges, and I believe if this is our heart's cry to be sent to our neighbors, the incredible difference it would make in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.